part of that is obviously a reaction to how the world kind of collectively lost its mind for about 15 years. I feel like you know, Trump is sort of the, the exclamation point at, at the end of that sentence. But but it really did. Um, you know, the, the sort of Zuckerberg to Trump era is going to be a chapter in, in the history books that our kids will read about, you know, what their parents were like. Welcome to the Powers That Be Daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. It's Monday, August 7th. Today on Media Monday, I'm joined by John Kelly to talk about the flameout of threads. Mark Zuckerberg's Twitter challenger launched to white-hot early hype, but is now failing to match those lofty expectations. Only 8 million people a day are now logging into threads, down massively from its big launch. So what went wrong? John and I discuss. And we also ask an important question about the 2024 election. Do issues even matter anymore? Or in the Donald Trump era, is everything in presidential politics about attention, personality, and earned media? We'll talk about all that and much, much more on today's episode of The Powers That Be. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash powers that be, netsuite.com slash powers that be. That's netsuite.com slash powers that be. Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome to the Powers That Be. If it's Monday, it's Media Monday. I'm joined by the boss man, John Kelly, to talk all things press, media, business, business of media. Uh, but most importantly, John, my birthday is in two weeks. What are you getting me? What do you give a man who has it all, Peter? I, f- I feel like um, <laughs> this is also not, not, a, not a really big birthday. So I, I think just a, just a big smooch and a pat on the back. Give me more um, gift articles to share Puck articles uh, with because I keep getting asked for, I don't want to subscribe. I don't want to, this is a paywall. Come on, people. Come on, people. Stop you asking can afford for free it. articles. Everyone who cares about Puck can afford Puck. That's my pitch to uh, grow our <laughs> subscriber base. Speaking of not growing your base, John, I want to talk to you a little bit about threads. And I'm going to take a victory lap because I saw this coming you, you a mile it. away. Mm-hmm. This is according to data from market research firms, SimilarWeb and Sensor Tower. Sometimes these tracking firms, when it comes to tech companies, are not perfect. They don't have the totally precise data that the companies themselves do. But Threads is plummeting. Their daily active user count is down 82% from launch. Only 8 million people are accessing the app every day. 
this comes after so much hype. They scaled to over 100 million users in a matter of days. This was a big growth hack. They basically just attached it to Instagram and bada bing, bada boom, you've got 100 million users. The question was always going to be, how can you keep those people coming back? How can you make the app sticky? DAU, by the way, daily active users, that is the mother's milk of social media platforms. And Threads doesn't have to worry about this number as much because they're part of Meta. Meta owns WhatsApp and Facebook and Instagram and now Threads and all these other apps. So they've got users everywhere around the world all the time. But like if you take Threads out, compare it to Twitter. We don't know Twitter's DAU number because uh, Elon Musk has taken the company private, but and, and they're not doing well either, but we can assume it's somewhere close or slightly lower than where it was when they were public, which is around like, say, slightly over 200 million daily active users. I mean, they are losing this battle against Twitter that they themselves hyped up. What's your take on why people aren't going back to threads, John? I assume it has to do with Mark Zuckerberg's diet that he posted on threads the other day as he tries to um, uh, to become a professional, uh, semi-professional MMA fighter. Did you see this? This was, this was the highlight yeah, of the Puck Slack channel. The way he keeps weight is uh, 20 nuggets, a quarter pounder, fries, a McFlurry, apple pie, some side cheeseburgers for later. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the CEO of a publicly traded company. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> b- boy, oh boy, y- you nailed this. Um, I think I was a little caught up in, in Thread's euphoria when this all happened. And and you were consistent with what um, I think you've said many times on this this fine program, that we're probably done with new social media platforms in, in the post-TikTok age. And in fact, I think that like my hypothesis would be that the future of, of TikTok may not be as, as bright as, as the past. Mm. You know, it's just hard. It's just hard to keep growing that way. And it's, just, and it's mm. hard to, um, and these are, these are faddish companies. I mean, they, they just are, you know, the, the extraordinary part of Facebook is that it created a diversified business around this. Like Facebook became Google rather than becoming Twitter. Like that was, you know, and th- that's actually the, like therein lies the the uh, enormous brain power of Sheryl Sandberg. I know that it's hard to say that in, in some circles where um, they disagree with her performance there, but she, you know, having come from Google realized that this was a essentially a user-generated search platform that was going to be ad-supported. So anyway, I don't think th- this surprises me in, in retrospect at all. Uh, the users are already on Twitter and X and, you know, the, the attrition will, will continue over time, but it'll, it'll continue very slowly. The thing about threads, and I, I get why they wanted to brush it out early, right? They saw the vulnerability in the market and they, they wanted to push forward a product. But the funny thing is, it's a, it's a clone, not a competitor, right? It does the same thing as something else. And that's just like fundamentally not a business differentiator and it's hard to explain why you would go there is it more brand safe you know maybe but um still brought to you by the people who brought you facebook so there are presumably the same questions uh could percolate there there's no facilitated commerce play like if this was a platform that allowed you to share your thoughts and ideas and also could buy things or had had, had an extra shingle on it i'd see that but it's not and uh, and i think you probably have a lot of learned experience in this having spent so much of your career at at Snap where you know Evan created these these features that were then copycatted elsewhere and Snap still a publicly traded company you know worth 20 billion dollars like it, it it's hard to it's hard to kill the king in that kind of way yeah Snap we have 400 about 400 million DAU compared to Threads at 8 million DAU um but yeah i, I think you that's the most important point that and this is what i wrote about for Puck a couple weeks ago 
is is the fundamental use case of the platform is duplicative. It's a copycat. And if you look at any marketplace and you're launching a product or a service, you go down go down the grocery store aisle, look up and down, see what's not there and try to like fill in that hole. And it just really crystallized to me that one, Facebook Meta continues to copy rather than innovate. And, you know, it's, it's true with stories and it's true with reels uh, and a variety of things. But two, like, because this is a media podcast, to me, it really just like, it really crystallized how weird and like cheerleading some of the commentary around threads was. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the kind of people that were and are rooting for threads are the very people that need to get out of their bubble and realize how right. hard it is to kill off one of these major, huge platforms. I mean, Oliver Darcy wrote in his newsletter for CNN, I think last Friday, the decline in usage about threads can likely be attributed to the reality that threads simply lacks the basic functions many users long for. The platform omits a search button. It does not verify notable figures who bore the blue check on Instagram, but once upon a time had it on Twitter. And most importantly, it fails to support desktop functionality, a must for journalists and other users who want to post about live events in real time. Dude, you are in a tiny, <laughs> tiny, tiny elite urban bubble if like you think that is what's holding threads back. The What's holding threads back is that every single person who has Twitter on their phone has had it for 5, 10, 15 years. Yeah, and they are compulsively addicted to it and refresh it. They have built followings there. As I wrote for Puck, sports teams are on Twitter, like local utilities and emergency departments in various towns and cities around the world are on Twitter. We've all spent years and years and years on Twitter, John Kelly accepted. It's like the reason people (laughs) aren't like joining threads isn't because they don't have desktop search functionality. It's because people don't want it. Yeah, (laughs) right. And that's where I think a lot of the journalists who are very like anti-Elon Musk and a lot of the Democrats and liberals who are rushing to join threads they're missing the point. There aren't enough like anti Elon Musk humans out there or enough elite media types out there mm-hmm. to build a huge service. Like until like your mom, dad, aunt, uncle, cousin starts jumping on threads and posting every day, they've got a problem. And, and this is a philosophical point. I agree with you. But you know, Twitter came into the world when new platforms were expanding. I mean, you know, they were Twitter was a hot investment in like the two thousand six, seven era after, you know, YouTube had just been sold for, you know, like a billion dollars with the steal of the century. Facebook was obviously about three or four years in. Friendster, very small world. I mean, there were a lot of these things that were happening. And it was an era where everyone was racing to shrink the loudest, you know, and needed volume and scale. Like that was just, that was a thing. That was a trend. We were, we were moving away from these like very set units of media, like TV networks and magazines and, you know, and traditional movies, you know, at, at a slow pace. So people were looking for scale rather than than business models. And I don't know. I mean, there's, it's hard to sort of put your finger on it, but I think we all feel like the culture is moving back towards channels and, and niches, niches, right? Mm-hmm. Like where everyone is trying to speak the most direct. Um, and part of that is obviously a reaction to uh, how the world kind of collectively lost its mind for about 15 years. I feel like you know, Trump is sort of the, the exclamation point at, at the end of that mm-hmm. sentence. But but it really did. Um, you know, the, the sort of Zuckerberg to Trump era is going to be a chapter in, in the history books that our kids will read about, you know, what their parents were like. And it's just not people want to communicate anymore. 
And so we live in a world where neither Twitter nor Threads will grow as their masters hope that they would. Instead, people will actually, you know, want to communicate over media that's most direct and most thoughtful. And thank God, you know, we don't yeah. want to recreate that past. Yeah, the uh, my favorite perspective on this comes from my buddy, Scott Conroy, who I cite frequently on this show. <laughs> and he was like, uh, who is retreating aggressively from the digital space and in, in, at least trying to in the year 2023. And, you know, Adam Masseri like was doing a lot of media uh, when Threads launched and he was posting on Threads about how like we need a better public town square. You know, Twitter, he was hinting, obviously, that Twitter has become a sort of toxic and ugly global town square and threads needs to be a better healthier global town square and scott's like why do we even need a global town square yeah who wants a global town square (laughs) that sounds terrible it is terrible and i think some of the real world consequences of having a global town square are 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 very evident we could we could host many podcasts about that uh john i want to take a quick break when we come back i want to talk about the media coverage of donald trump's indictment and the republican presidential campaign Are you tired of sleeping hotter than hell? I sure am. I sleep hot. There's something crucial about sleep that eludes us when we're too warm, too uncomfortable, and too caught in the web of our own thoughts to drift off. And while curiosity fuels our days, science tells us that cool sleep recharges our nights. That's where Chili Pad by Sleep Me comes in. Meet the bed cooling system that elevates the quality of human life through cool sleep. The Chili Pad Bed Cooling System is your new bedtime solution. I love it. It lets you customize your sleeping environment to your optimal temperature, ensuring you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. Chili Pad works with your existing mattress. It's a water based mattress topper that continuously controls your bed temperature from 55 to 115 degrees, allowing your body to rest and recover. This isn't just about escaping the heat, it's also about optimizing your sleep for better health, more energy, and improved physical and cognitive performance, which I obviously need hosting a podcast. Chili pads are designed for one or two sleepers, so if your sleep partner likes to sleep at a different temperature, or you only need it for one side of the bed, that's okay too, and we know that's crucial. Plus, you can schedule automated temperature changes to trigger deep sleep. But when I'm at home, Chili Pad solves those problems. So trust me on this one. Visit sleep.me slash powers to get your chili pad and save up to $315 with code powers. This offer is available exclusively for powers that be listeners and only for a limited time. Order it today with free shipping and try it out for 30 days. You can return it for free if you don't like it with their sleep trial. Visit www.sleep.com dot me slash powers because you're not just investing in better sleep you're creating a better life this episode is brought to you by shopify forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to shopify the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell with shopify you'll harness the same intuitive features trusted apps and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome back to the powers that be, everybody. John, you and I were talking before this recording about, you know, what's like a, 
different angle on Donald Trump and this his latest indictment, the federal indictment from Jack Smith for his efforts to overturn the 2020 election and some new polls out from Iowa. And we, we kept sort of like repeating the same thing over and over. Like, I don't know what's new. What can we talk about? And like, mm-hmm. that's sort of the <laughs> point. <laughs> like this election, both the Republican primary and the general election so far, at least, I don't want to say they're not about like issues completely, but the Republican primary just feels completely about performance and earned media and the loyalty that Donald Trump inspires among the Republican base. And like no one, none of his Republican opponents seem able to move the needle, you know, especially around the indictment. His other Republican opponents are being pretty cautious about criticizing Trump other than Mike Pence and and Chris Christie and Asa Hutchinson. And ipso facto, like Trump is at 44% nationally (laughs) and everyone else is way, way, way behind. It's funny. I was watching. Um, I was watching CNN on Thursday night on uh, indictment night, listening to some bozo Trump defender try and explain the the legal argument, and you know, really sort of absolutely unfairly intermeshing what are First Amendment issues and actual issues of alleged criminality in a, a absurd screamery kind of way. And I just thought, oh my God, is this is this John Malone's idea of the, the fantasy news network? You know, well, uh, well, an anchor gets completely overpowered here. And, you know, the media is like sort of overwhelmed by the indictment stuff. It's it, it, three is a trend. It, it's now blending into the wallpaper. But you know what was really interesting to me? Tina went down on Thursday to Pettyman, you know, to the courthouse to sort of to get the flavor. I think she actually also had a, a DMV issue anyway, uh, whatever. But I was curious. I was, I was on the phone there. I was like, well, you know, is this, uh, should we expect uh, a Florida-like celebration, right? The Cuban restaurant, people in the street. I mean, the, the, the first indictment would turn into sort of a Mardi Gras situation. And she made the, the normal point that A, it was raining in D.C. And also, you know, D.C. is sort of a police state in a lot of ways. Um, but this was funereal. And it's a, a very different indictment for a lot of reasons. This is the most significant of the of the three, and it's going to potentially be tried earlier and by an Obama appointee. But all this made me think, and you tell me if you disagree. Um, in our lifetimes now, this is the first absolutely like non issues based election I've seen on this level. Um, Biden's team continues to try and turn it into issues. You know, this is the historic president who brought you the CHIPS Act and the IRA. And, you know, he's been able to to soft land the, um, I hate that expression, you know, he's been able to sort of, you know, encourage, uh, in a way, economic policies, even though the, the Fed, uh, you know, allegedly act, supposed to act independently to prevent us going into recession. But voters don't care. You know, the last Siena Times poll I saw had them both at around, you know, 43.5 or whatever, the number you just cited. And Trump is winning in the sense that he's he is pulling this away from the issues. I mean, you wrote about this with your with your Ronnie zombie piece last week. Everyone who's trying to make this an issue focused campaign is just getting neutered by Trump's ability to just make it jets versus sharks and everything else gets gets drowned out. And, and this indictment to me was actually sort of the apotheosis of it because everyone retrenched back to their tribes and, uh, and nothing else mattered. You either believe that he had a right to express himself or you believe that, which he obviously did, that he, um, that he stoked the, the flames to create this horrific and murderous march on Congress. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree in some senses and disagree. I agree that the Republican primary is completely bereft of issues. It's all about negative partisanship and nihilism and pointing their fingers at Joe Biden and the Democrats and the deep state is out to get Mr. Trump. And then like 
again, I made this point in the in the DeSantis piece um, because the DeSantis team, according to Tina's reporting, also like is trying to make this analogy that he can make a comeback like John McCain did back in 2007. And, and I was with John McCain in 2007 and 2008 on the bus in South Carolina when he would go into like VFW halls and he had this deep connection with veterans, uh, especially along the low country there in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. You know, that was a time when there were lanes in Republican right. primaries. It was like the Christian lane and the libertarian and the business person like Mitt Romney and the military guy. Everything is just MAGA now. And so like, yeah, this is not, it's all personality. It's all issues. I'm sure there are some like Wall Street donor types who are in it for the, you know, capital gains tax mm-hmm. <laughs> issue or sure. whatever. Definitely. Um, I do think the issues will matter in the general election, or at least if it's Biden and Trump, it will test that question whether issues still matter. I mean, I think you saw a good example would be like student loans, like Biden's numbers among 18 to 34 year olds were pretty shitty and still pretty shitty for, you know, an incumbent Democratic president. But after signing that executive order to get rid of a certain federal student loan debt, you know, his numbers went up among young people. And I think young people, he continues to fight for that. And I think that works. And the Biden reelect has to target those voters saying he's fighting for you on this issue. Um, Abortion, (laughs) Dobbs, huge issue in the midterms, probably decisive. I mean, that's an issue. (laughs) Um, And, you know, maybe maybe people aren't going to vote on the fact that you get like a $10,000 rebate or whatever if you buy like a green car. But I think the Democratic Party generally is going to run on because they can't run on Biden's personality, especially, but like they have to run on, you know, this guy's fighting for you. We are fighting for you on guns, on climate, on the economy, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, that's what won it for like Obama in 2012 against Mitt Romney. Like it came down to like Ohio, who's fighting for you and who's sending jobs overseas. But again, it does come down to earned media, paid advertising, Look, I think some of it matters in discrete states, but yeah, I mean, Trump is just like an earned media attention king. And how does Biden compete with that? It's got to be on issues and he doesn't really have a choice. Right. They're going to send out the surrogate army. But Tara made a good point in in a piece she published last week about, you know, all these um, Biden supporters who are keeping an eye open, you know, just just in, in, in case unexpectedly he drops out and that that's their right the you know the gavins of the world they have to be prepared you only get one bite of that apple usually but she made a a smart point about how the biden inner circle is doing almost everything possible in order to be able to say that they're putting him out there while not putting him out there he's a president of the united states so every time he's on a rope line you hear about it and he's infrequently on rope lines uh when he does tv it's usually msnbc almost always um and it's the, the event he does a lot of abc uh, uh, abc that's fair too um this all worked in the pandemic era election i think in in order to win he has to energize um these and you just you just nailed it he, he has to energize what we call the suburban moms who remember oh yeah like abortion rights do matter and we do care about the environment we're going to leave behind to our children and we trust this guy a lot more than the other guy and you can spend a zillion dollars and he'll be able to raise a couple billion you know jeffrey katzenberg is in charge of that operation so i I have no doubt but you have to see the guy and even if this remains a issueless substanceless election the organic media is going to matter more and more and more and voters are not stupid you make this point to me all the time they need to see the candidate they can't just see the concentric circles of you know of of proxies out there particularly in this case given his age 
that's actually, a, I think, a sign of weakness. Yeah, and I, you know, Biden's approval rating right now is thirty nine percent. I know the New York Times Siena poll, which is, by the way, great poll. Like every time you see a New York Times Siena poll drop, they did one in Iowa too. Pay attention; it's actually become one of the best polls. But also, like losing on the economy. This is a boring thing that happens in every presidential campaign. But if if you're perceived as being bad on the economy and you're losing that head-to-head matchup on who's better on the economy in exit polls, you're probably losing. Biden barely won that in 2020, and he's losing it badly right now. So um, that's another issue that might come up. We'll see. Um, John, thanks so much, buddy. See you in the Slack. All right, man. I'll see you there. And Bidenomics are working. You know, we need you out there on the street, Peter. You got to tell people. (laughs) Thanks, man. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Powers That Be. As a reminder, The Powers That Be is the official podcast of Puck. We'd like to thank Ben Landy, Liz Goff, and Alex Bigler for their editorial and production guidance. If you like what you hear, please share with a friend. It really helps us keep delivering the inside scoop that only Puck can offer. Follow us on Twitter at Puck News. I'm Ben Landy. See you tomorrow. This has been a presentation of Odyssey. Please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. The Powers That Be Daily is executive produced by John Kelly, co-founder of Puck, Bob Tabador, and Ben Landy, executive editor at Puck.